Welcome to Tough Guys Only. My name is Sam. Today, we will be talking about the love-hate relationships that we as athletes have with ADHD. I'm joined by one of my favorite people in the world, Kevin Smith. So, Kev, tell us a bit about yourself, your, your sport background, and why you so enthusiastically agreed to join me on this episode today. Hey, Sam. Yeah, I, I'm pretty involved with, with hockey. That's the sport that I grew up playing and I'm still involved with today. I, I play just in adult leagues now, and I, I coach a, a collegiate roller hockey team uh, at the University of Arizona, and I uh, officiate hockey as well, so I'm a referee. And I enthusiastically uh, joined you or, or uh, dis, you know, accepted your invitation because um, I think that uh, as, a, as somebody that was involved with sports at a young age, that that really helped me with some of the symptoms of ADHD and I am pretty open about having ADHD and I think that it's, uh, it's important to be able to talk about it and to, to kind of be open and upfront about some of the, the struggles and the benefits that come along with it because I, I don't think many people really know what it is, how it manifests in your daily life, in your daily routine. And yeah, I'm all about uh, having these conversations and always, always excited to, uh, to be able to talk to you about this kind of stuff. Yeah, we've definitely had our fair share of conversations about our, our mental health, mental illness, and, and everything in between. Um, but I think this episode will be really cool because we both have that firsthand experience as athletes with, with a diagnosis or two or three or however many that we've racked up between the two of us. So um, for me personally, my ADHD is predominantly inattentive, which means that I just have difficulty sustaining attention and I struggle to organize tasks. I very much struggle to organize my thoughts and I am beyond easily distracted. It does not take much to get my, get me off my game sometimes. Um, and like you said, we've, we've always been open about our mental health with each other and it's an important conversation to have, but I've never actually asked. So how does your ADHD present itself? Mine's pretty similar. I, I hear kind of that there are two, maybe three types Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have inattentive or, or hyperactive impulsive and mine's kind of a hybrid. I mean, I, I'm not really hyper, um, as a kid, I was a little bit, but even more so, I think it's on that end of the spectrum or that, that piece of the, the mix for me, there's, there's definitely some, struggles with impulsivity especially with time management and things Mm -hmm. like that which goes into inattentiveness but just with decision making and definitely in conversation so that's where I think it would have manifested the hyperactive impulsive uh aspects of it talking excessively or cutting people off Mm -hmm. blurting stuff out without really thinking it through um being afraid you're going to forget what your forget your thought before oh yeah you got to get it out there quick yeah so you just get it out and then that can create some 
some difficulties sometimes if you haven't really fully thought out what you just said. So, I mean, that's, those are, those would be the main things for me, but yeah, pretty much those couple of things. And then what you had already said about difficulty organizing tasks, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. I think we can safely say, you know, between my symptoms and yours, trying to get organized and get ourselves on the same page for this and actually get the ball rolling and recording. It was a, it was a struggle, but you know, we have our strategies. We, we did a really good job. I'm proud of us already. Um, there are a few other features that I wanted to mention real quick, with the first one being neurodivergence, which is uh, another fancier word for uh, divergent thinking, which basically means that the way we think and, and our, our thought process is more nonlinear and, and free-flowing. It's definitely more on the creative side, and it's whether it's conscious or not, we tend to explore like different paths and directions when, when it comes to problem-solving or, or answering questions, which... It really makes multiple choice tests the, the bane of my existence. I absolutely hate them because if you ask me if the sky is blue, like I know the answer is yes, but at the same time I'm thinking, but what about sunrise and sunset and when the sun goes down and the moon comes up? Like, yes, it's blue and I know that's the answer you want, but there's there are other answers. And I think that's, that's something that kind of sucks academically and, and it can be a bit difficult, but how do you think that neurodivergence helps us and that creativity helps us when it comes to sport? I think the creativity um, is a big, is a big thing, uh, which I know you mentioned before, just being able to think outside the box, I yeah. would say seeing, seeing things and in, in creating weird analogies uh, to, to explain stuff to teammates or as I'm coaching, I, I find myself doing that. Um, I, I think just in terms of finding solutions, which there you run into a lot of problems, uh, as an athlete Mm -hmm. working with other people. And I think that that's, that's an area where you're able to, to really, um, to utilize that creativity to get to a solution, figure out what, what it is you really want to do and figure it out come up yeah. with something that works for everybody. Yeah, I think like when I was thinking about it, my initial thought was, you know, creativity and making plays. And and if something, if your system isn't working, being able to adapt on the fly. And, and that's kind of where, where my brain was leading me. But athletes do face a lot of problems outside of sport too, like in their everyday lives. And having ADHD is tough and you have to balance a lot. So being able to deal with those problems and solve them creatively is something that I, believe it or not, my my divergent thinking brain never got to that, to that path. So no, I'm no, glad you brought that up. You're right about like the strategy and making adjustments in game. And, and that's part of it too. Like those problems can be, aren't necessarily outside of sport or your sport or mm-hmm. like the actual event that's going on. Right. I mean, it could just be um, a couple of guys on your team or fighting about something stupid and you got to figure out a creative way to, to nip it in the bud so you you know how one one person reacts to something and you know you can get this guy distracted with something else and then you kind of can work your magic in a way where other people would be like well we're just gonna let them fight it out and figure it out and that's when in a game if your team isn't working together you have those internal problems everything falls apart right so yeah, you're kind of used to having those uh, situations in your in your daily life, 
and knowing how to overcome them so that your entire day doesn't fall apart because one thing goes wrong. For sure. I guess that um, would be the best way of kind of looking at that. From yeah, the, yeah, totally from agree. Totally agree. Um, the next feature that I really think is important is the piece of hyper-focusing. I think it's a really interesting one. That I feel like it's, it's commonly neglected when talking about ADHD, but it's also such a massive piece of the puzzle. And I, it, it sucks that it's neglected so often because for me personally, it's a big one. Um, so there's this firm belief that people with ADHD just can't pay attention. And in reality, it's not uh, a lack of ability to pay attention as much as it is um, our inability to regulate our attention. So yes, there will be times when we're not paying attention and we can't pay attention. But on the other side of it, there's that state of hyper-focus with the, the blinders on, locked and loaded, and there's just, just no stopping us from doing whatever it is we're doing. The trick is really to be able to hyper-focus on things that matter, the things that are productive, rather than focusing on something like video games or deep cleaning our fridges, which may or may not be something that I did about two weeks ago. I'll call it productive, but I mean, it definitely was not the top of my priority list. But, you know, I'll take it. It was a, it was a fun hour-ish of hyper-focusing. Um, yeah, that myth that people with ADHD can't focus and, and the thing that goes with that where people assume that if an individual is sitting down for hours playing video games, like they clearly don't have ADHD, they're just lazy. Like that's just, it's just not true. Um, channeling that hyper-focus, it might not be great in sport at times because um, it is important to see the bigger picture. But at the same time, if, if you can find the spot between like, you know, hyper-focusing on a piece of tape around your stick or like not focusing on anything at all, if you find that middle ground where you're just focused on the game and you can hyper-focus on like the game as a whole or the sport or whatever it is that you have to focus on, it can be, it can be beneficial, I think. It, it, it would probably be tricky to find that spot, but it could, it could like be beneficial. The, that's kind of like the state of flow mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you get into once a year. And oh you're God, like, sports site Kev, look at you. And you're, you're pretty excited when that happens. It doesn't happen often, but uh, for people with ADHD, but no, you're right. That's, that balance is tough, and, mm-hmm. um, but it can be beneficial. Absolutely. And it's tuning out distractions as much as you can and not being fixated on them. Right. But that's, that can be tough. I think that, um, you mentioned in terms of people not understanding that that is something that goes along with ADHD. That's, that's something that even my, even my mom who works in, uh, she's an RN, she's a nurse and she works in, um, she's worked in, in the medical field for probably pushing 40 years. And she would struggle with that in terms of understanding that, I mean, she knew I had ADHD, but she would always talk about how much I was focused on hockey and, Mm -hmm if I could just focus, if I can focus on hockey in that way, why can't I focus on school or cleaning my room or whatever the task that 
you know, was probably more important or at least in her mind, more important. Um, why couldn't that get done? And so, yeah, I mean, even people that understand ADHD and the, the symptoms and like the things that come along with it, I think struggle to understand hyperfocus and how it manifests, which is essentially how you can go down that like a YouTube rabbit hole. And then three hours later, you're looking at a map of, you know, Africa and like figuring, looking at some conflict between two countries in Africa, like the history of a war or something like that, whatever it may be, or, you know, our conversation for two hours before we started recording, we covered politics, geography, sports, everything in between. Like we were, we were jumping all over the place. So yeah, it's, it's tough. And like, even if like you can be beyond educated, but if, if you don't really know what, if you can't really apply it to a context, it's kind of hard to really understand it and and be more empathetic with it rather than just being sympathetic and frustrated with us. Um, Now that we've kind of talked about that myth about focusing, we might as well keep talking myths here. So First, the first myth, it'll be a quick one. I mean, we've already kind of debunked this one. ADHD is just for kids. I'm 25. Kev's, what, 27? Yep. 27. So we're still battling. It's not, it's not something for kids. We, we're still working at it. We're still doing our thing. So myth number one, debunked. Look at us go flying through it. Um, the next one was like mind-blowing to me when I came across it. I was doing quite a bit of research about the topic. Um, and this one isn't necessarily for, for athletes, but the, the notion that ADHD just isn't real, it's just laziness and, or a lack of discipline. Um, how do you think that it kind of applies to the realm of sport? Like my first thought was coaches who look at the kid who's like messing around with pucks in the corner and thinks that kid is ADHD while I'm sitting there taking a knee, doing my best to focus on what the coach is saying actually having ADD and I'm like I'm trying so hard to listen to you and you think that that kid just messing around for the sake of messing around is the one who's actually showing symptoms so how do you think that like perception plays a part in sport yeah yeah no that's that was the same as a as a fellow hockey player and now as a coach Mm -hmm. (laughs) and seeing kids go and yeah like you blow your whistle to bring everybody in and uh, there's someone that's going to take 30 to 45 seconds longer because they want to mess around while you're going over something. Um, yeah, that's, I, I was even thinking about it as everyone thinks, oh, everybody gets distracted and shoots pucks, wants to be that and, and mess around sometimes. And so it, in a way, is justified by saying that everybody has it kind of so in that sense it's not real because mm-hmm. yeah you're just being lazy or everyone everyone's lazy sometimes and everyone lacks discipline sometimes you're just less disciplined than everybody else you're yeah. more lazy than everybody else mm-hmm. yeah those are some really good points um the last one this is what i know we're gonna have a lot to say about this so <laughs> this could extend our the length of our episode medication is the cure so for me like i I, obviously it it completely changes person to person but for me i think i like to see it as like medication 
clears the fog, but I still need to have the tools to get the plane off the ground and keep it in the air. So, you know, it's hard to get the plane off the ground and keep it in the air when you're sitting in like a mess of fog. So I need medication to clear the fog. So I'm not flying blind. And on the other hand, you can clear the fog and it can be like a, a beautiful bright day. But if you don't have the tools, you don't know how to get the plane off the ground and keep it in the air. Like you're just sitting on the runway enjoying the view. So I don't personally think medication is the cure. I think it, it can help. For me, it definitely does. I, I don't do well when that fog is there. Um, I think everyone has their combination of things that help them channel and, and direct the power that ADHD can give us. It really does give us some advantages. And I think we focus too much on the things that suck about it rather than the things that it really gives us. It's very easy to not have a growth mindset when you have ADHD. Yeah. Which I think is is plays into that, right? Like mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, medication, that's a really good analogy that you that you made in terms of it clearing the fog. Yeah, you still you still have to get the plane off the ground and then and then be able to fly it throughout the day and not uh not tune out. Uh autopilot can only can only uh kick in for for so long so Mm -hmm. I I think that that would be somewhere where you run into into some issues if you don't have um I like to call it um and I I've heard other people call it the toolbox like Mm -hmm. your toolbox in terms of strategies and tips and it might be certain apps or just the way that you build your routine the things that you essentially rely on to to supplement your medication which is not going to fix it for for you on its own and and i will say too in medication i think part of the problem is that you know the reality is that there are people in college particularly in college that will come across different types of adhd medications and um, either use them recreationally or I think more, more so use them to cram before a test mm-hmm. and use them as a super drug. And that warps especially younger people's perception of what medication can do for someone. And I always tell people that, you know, if you're using it as a super drug or if you think that ADHD medication takes you from normal to yeah to feeling like you're you have superpowers when we take it it just gets us to where you're starting to Mm -hmm. normal yeah it gets us to baseline exactly um i'm really glad you brought that up about the the students because i've stumbled across a number of studies that all showed the same thing about uh non-prescribed adhd medication in college and regular students took it significantly more than student athletes did at the end of the day they both have that academic piece like they're student athletes and and regular students are students both populations have to be in school what do you think it is about not having that athletic piece that like for me like the thought was i'm pretty sure you can get drug tested in the ncaa so my like my first thought is that guys guys and girls probably don't want to risk getting caught taking 
a substance? Maybe. I'm, I'm not really sure, but that's kind of where my, my brain kind of took me on that one. So my understanding is that there's, I'm not sure uh, specifically with NCAA what the rules are. I, I'm, I'm thinking that if you test positive without a prescription or a doctor's note, a diagnosis that you're, you're going to run into some issues mm-hmm. that certain sports though um, will test within the sports governing body. Um, and I, I think that, you, yeah, I mean, athletes can take it if they, if they have it, but yeah, yeah. Um, but you, I think yeah. you need an exemption, but you know, definitely no problem yeah. getting that exemption. If you have the diagnosis and the documentation, legitimate, definitely. I think that, I think that um, certain athletes don't get that diagnosis and Mm -hmm. that might be like an area where, where that comes into play. Like I, girls are, are much more uh, under diagnosed than, than, than men. But um, I would think that athletes, especially kids who play sports growing up, you're just a rambunctious youngster. And so it gets overlooked, you know, and then maybe uh, so you think maybe, there's a lot of like, it's underdiagnosed because those like, maybe those hyperactive traits are just attributed to being an athlete. I think oh. so. Yeah. All right. Well, to close things up, we're going to end off with a super fun game. It's going to be like, it's not really a lightning round kind of thing, but for us, it'll feel that way because we are not allowed to go on a tangent. You just have to answer as concisely as we possibly can. All right. right. You ready? We're we're putting our strategies to the test here. I didn't know this was happening, so. Oh, yeah. I'm springing this one on you because I didn't want you to prepare for it. I want you to. Oh, that's good. That's that's great, actually. All right. We're going to play a game of does this typical presentation of ADHD in adulthood or sport apply to me? Just three situations. And we'll try to like, we'll basically just say like, yep or nope. It does or it doesn't. Maybe a little why or why not? And then we'll move on to the next one. You ready? All right. So first up, we are more likely to be injured than our non-ADHD counterparts. And for those of us who do take stimulants for ADHD, our rate of concussions is elevated. So have you found yourself getting injured a lot, a lot of concussions in your career? And, you know, regardless of your answer, why do you think this, this might be a thing? I would think that it has, I, I haven't, fortunately, I haven't had any big injury, big, big injuries, but I would say I have had a a couple of concussions. I had one last year and I think whether it's a concussion or it's a sprained ankle, which is like my last quote unquote big injury. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I've been fortunate. That's where rehab and doing the things that you need to do to get back to 100%, struggling to do those things consistently with the same amount of effort every single time and showing up to PT or whatever it might be day in, day out to get better, I think that would lead to more injuries. That would be something uh, that so would lead it's to more, more It's more the recovery and sticking with the recovery more so than like high risk to, to just be in a position to get injured or 
having frail yeah. bones or whatever it may be. Then you come back too early and you're not healed and then you get yeah. hurt again. Ah, impulsivity. Look at us go. All right. Moving on to the next one. As much as I want to stay on that because I was, I was getting myself into it. We're stopping ourselves quick. All right. Next one. We are more likely to be involved in car accidents and get tickets. I personally got in one accident. I was 18 and I looked at my GPS for a second to make sure I was heading north and I rear-ended someone because they stopped at a green light. So I like, I really don't want to take blame for that, but I, insurance-wise, that would be my fault. Um, and I also have never gotten like a speeding ticket or any sort of ticket. So for me, yeah. this one doesn't apply. Yeah, it, yes, for me, it applies. I mean, I would think that, yeah, it, it, it's a norm. Um, I think it's easy to not notice how fast you're going, maybe. Okay, yeah, I, that, that one I get, yeah. Sometimes I, I, in terms of accidents, I've, I've gotten in two accidents. One wasn't my fault. One was, and I was 17 or 18 and rear-ended somebody. So same, same situation, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I would say to a degree it applies for me. Okay. All right. I also think that the reason that I'm pretty attentive when I drive is that my my dad kind of taught me from an early age that like, if I'm driving his cars, I do it medicated. I do not get behind the wheel if I don't have my medication in me, which I, great parenting move. Um, you know, yeah. Thanks to him. I do that too now. Like no meds, no driving. All right. I went on a tangent there. That one was on me. The last one in sports, we have a difficulty remembering systems and drills. For me, oh, I, don't, yeah. I, don't have a, I don't have a problem remembering them as much as I have a problem with like, seeing it drawn on a whiteboard and then just being able to execute. That's where I have, I think that's, that's probably the executive functioning problem, but like, I can't comprehend it and execute. And once I get it, I can remember it, but it's getting to that point where I can get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you summed it up pretty well. I, it definitely applies to me drills for sure. And remembering there'll be one piece that will fall off for me, whether it's a drill or it's running a certain forecheck or whatever, certain strategy. And that's where you forget that one piece. And then the whole thing breaks down as systems do. Um, and that's where I get stuck. So it's remembering that when that, when that piece that you forget comes back, then you're golden. But that's what I've noticed for me. That's where it, so it's like, it like a, almost like a little attention to detail that's lacking. Like just, just a little thing that's, that's missing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You forget that, how that one, where that one person's supposed to go and then that throws off where you're supposed to go, etc. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, well, that is it for the lightning round. I think we did all right holding it together after we've been chatting for like three hours that we've been recording for a little while now. So I think given our ability we've done a good job sustaining our attention before we we wrap up i do have one more question putting you on the spot what advice do you have for athletes in in our position who are dealing with you know the stigma or just being an athlete with adhd struggling to kind of find those coping strategies work with other people that have adhd that is tough if you don't know somebody luckily the internet has has helped that a lot. And there's a lot of good resources online. But check your sources. Um, 
yeah, absolutely check your sources, but mm-hmm. just having other people to talk to and not being afraid to own it. Um, it's crazy you say that because it says own it in my notes. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's it. You grow up almost with this shame of having being being different and having it doing a lot of things you're not supposed to do quote you know supposedly like Mm -hmm. talking too much whatever it may be so just knowing that it's okay to not that maybe normal doesn't really exist (laughs) as much as we think it does um just owning your differences and getting more comfortable with them allows you to to be able to kind of sell it in a way you're going to be better at at certain things that Mm -hmm. other people aren't going to be and and vice versa right there are going to be areas where you struggle more than than the typical person um but yeah you can make up for it and that's that's what's cool yeah i couldn't agree more owning it is huge there's definitely that stigma around it and and growing up it was definitely that whole you know you need to work to be as good as everyone else and and to match them like it is your job to do what they're doing and figure out how to do what they're doing. So yeah, own it, embrace it and, and recognize that not every, not every teammate you have and not every coach you have will, will understand or will, will care to try to understand your experience. So just keep grinding, keep working at it because it's a, it's a gift if you can find the way to channel it. Sam, thanks for having me on your podcast. I appreciate the invitation and I think you did a great job of sharing your platform with, uh, with someone who's hosted enough shows on their own to, to feel comfortable enough to hijack yours. So. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you doing some hijacking and, and letting me take the wheel every now and then. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure having you. And a big thank you to my lovely listeners for tuning in. Keep doing your best out there. <laughs>